Good afternoon, good morning, or good evening, wherever you are or whenever you are. Welcome back to episode 10. Can you believe it? Episode 10 of our study on the spiritual life. Wow, good time for a broad helicopter or 35,000 feet overview, right? The goal of the spiritual life is maturity, right? Nahon, Ken, yes, Bidiuk, exactly. Yes, it is, maturity. Remember the three factors or ingredients? Sure you do, right? (laughs) Regeneration, which is a fancy word for being born again. And we know that with that comes the Holy Spirit of God living inside of us, right? Amazing, isn't it? That God, the Spirit, will live inside of me. The idea is true, but I ultimately have a hard time imagining it. How humbling. Lord God, help us to understand and live our lives with this continuous realization that you are ever-present in us. Thank you, thank you, in Yeshua's name, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. And the final ingredient is time. There are no shortcuts. We then talked about six ramifications or six implications, or a better way to say it, six conclusions we can get from all this. And they were to new believers, and that is that a new believer can't be spiritual because he or she lacks time. To maturity, and that one can be an old or older believer is a better way to say that. In other words, he or she has had time, but is not spirit-controlled or spirit-filled. That's the same thing, by the way. He or she has been resisting the work of the Holy Spirit in their lives. Surrender already, okay? The water is great. Dive on in. The third is to backsliding, and that unfortunately is a fact of the spiritual life. You will fail every so often. Less and less, I think, as you get mature. But perfection is not attainable in this life. We see that in the life of Paul. He spoke that way. And when you do backslide, you don't lose the maturity you gained. Super encouraging, right? Yes, it is. The fourth area we covered is that there are stages of growth. It doesn't happen all at once. I understand that this seems a bit pedantic or repetitive, but the point here is that there is always room for improvement. We will be constantly developing as we continue to yield to the Holy Spirit in our reachable, because that's being yielding and reachable is the same to me, in the sense of not hiding from God in sin, and teachable in that we're in the Word of God and in prayer. And when all else fails, pray. Always pray, not just when things fail. And ask God to give you a teachable and yielding spirit. Be made willing to be willing is what I say. A fifth conclusion is that the spiritual life should touch every area of your life. Every area. Think of an area. Okay, you thought of an area? Great. It's a spiritual life area. By the way, men, and women too, but men especially, if you think you can keep certain areas of your life off limits to God, read porn here. You be wrong. Confess, repent, turn from it. Install filters and be accountable to someone. Period. And finally, don't be a baby for more than four or five years. If you've been a believer for more than that time and are kind of stuck in a rut, ask yourself these questions. How is my devotional life? Have I been praying? Have I been not just reading the Bible, check, done, no. Have I been reading my Bible prayerfully and asking the Lord to speak to me? If the answer is no or not so much, then that's what's wrong. You can't have a relationship with God without a relationship with God, okay? Lord, make us willing to be willing. Lord, give us a hunger for you in your word. Lord, redeem us from the thorns of this world and of this flesh and the devil. Save us, Lord. Amen, right? We then spoke about three characteristics of true biblical spirituality. And we saw that the first is that 
people should see it. It should be evident. We don't go around tooting our own horn and say, hey, look how spiritual I am and looking for attention. That's not what I'm talking about. Be faithful in the little things, Bible and prayer, and wait and watch what the Lord will do in your life. He will do wonderful things in your life. Be thankful, study the Word, gain knowledge, have a thankful attitude, a loving attitude towards God and others, and smile. Live out what you're learning. And when you mess up, get up. Let me say that again. Here comes a thump, in fact. When you mess up, get up. Secondly, if you're a married man, your wife should be should be able to see the difference the Lord is making in your life. If she can't or isn't, you know what? You need some work in that area. And finally, are you going to church or just trying to wing this thing on your own? Are you like the guy or gal that sings in the shower and thinks they sound awesome until your friends hear you? Okay, come to church. It's full of people just like you, and we love one another. At least we're supposed to, right? We're commanded to. I invite you to join us at Mid Valley Bible Church, 930 for Sunday schools. Uh, Sunday schools? No. Yeah, well, we have more than one school. We have it for all ages. So 930 for Sunday schools <laughs> and 1030 for worship service. Look for my ugly mug. Uh, my name is Tim Velasco. Come and look for me, and I will greet you with a smile and love on you, and so everybody else there, especially my pastor, Doug Hornock. He's great. Um, so this takes us to where we are now, and we've been exploring 1 Corinthians 2, starting in verse 9, going to uh, chapter 3, verse 4, and looking at five main points. We covered the first three, and today we'll finish the last two. The first three were that the Bible has the goods. Don't look elsewhere. You will be disappointed. And if you're LDS, if you're if you a Latter-day Saint, a Mormon, the Book of Mormon is not another revelation of Jesus. It's a lie, friend. You've been deceived. Come to the Bible. It has the answers, and it offers the grace that saves the unmerited favor, the work, work, work of false religion that leaves you empty inside and unsure of your standing before God is false. Don't go there. God loves you, my friend. He's calling you today. His son paid it all, and you need to learn to rest in his loving arms. The second was that the Holy Spirit illuminates our mind to understand the deep things of God, and the deep thing of God is Jesus and him crucified, a stumbling block to a Jew and a laughing stock of us Gentiles that think we're smarter than everybody else. The third thing we just covered in episode nine is that the Spirit of God that lives in us is the most amazing, intimate thing that could be given to us. God is sharing himself with you, with me. So we're able to live, breathe, and have our being in him because he is our life. Amen and amen, right? Now for the new stuff, finally, huh? Divine wisdom is hidden in scripture. You heard me right, it's hidden. Where does it say that, Mr. Tim? Look at verse 13. I will read it for us. 1 Corinthians 2.13. I'm reading from the ESV. And we impart this in emphasis here. Words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. I'm going to read it from the NIV. Maybe you read the NIV, you prefer that. By the way, my pastor Doug Hornock always says that, what Bible should I read? Read the Bible. That is you will read. I think I'm quoting him right on that. Anyway, bottom line, don't worry about the translations. Make sure it's a translation. I think that's good. If it's a paraphrase, you're going to miss some things. Make sure it's a translation and then just read it. Okay, the NIV says this, this is what we speak, not in words taught by us, taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with emphasis here, spirit 
taught words. And now 1 Corinthians 2.13 in the New Living Translation that sometimes does such a great, well, it does a great job a lot of times, but sometimes it really explains things well. We And this is a New Living Translation, same verse, 1 Corinthians 2.13. When we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the Spirit, using the Spirit, emphasis here, Spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. Or in the Greek, whoa there, Tim, are you going to start quoting Greek on your podcast? And I'm going to say, yes. Is this to show that I'm more spiritual than you? No, no, and no. But when you fall in love with Jesus, the Spirit takes you to places you never thought you would go, okay? So in Greek, it sounds like this. And if you're a Greek scholar, just just have some grace. Pneumatos, which is by the Spirit, pneumatikos, spiritual truth, pneumatika. So, pneumatos, pneumaticos, pneumatica, for those who are spiritual. That's that last one. There's a lot of pneuma in there, right? Lots of spirit there, right? Yes, exactly. That's what Paul was trying to say. So, the Bible, in a way, is written in code. I'm saying this. this is not something I heard Dr. Fruchtenbaum say. This is my own take on it, to be clear, okay? But I think he would agree. I need to ask him later that. Proverbs 25.2 says this. Okay, so Proverbs 20, Proverbs 25, 2 says, It is the glory of God to conceal things, but the glory of kings to search things out. And guess what? We are kings, kings and priests of God. Revelation 1, uh, 5 and 6 says this, To him who loves us and had, has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom and priest to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. The point is this, you can study all you want. You can have a command of the original languages. You can study until your eyes go dim and your sides grow large and fat from sitting in front of a computer or a book. But you will never know God and truly understand Him and His heart if you're not saved. If you don't have the Holy Spirit of God in you. Period. End the story. So believe the one He has sent. Yeshua. Jesus. The Messiah of the Jewish people and of the whole world and of this Gentile that once was lost and now has been found. <laughs> Finally, the last point of the five uh, uh, this passage makes. Again, there is more, okay? Uh, the word of the Lord is deep. We're only looking at five here that uh, Dr. Fruchtenbaum has extracted from the text and done such a beautiful job with it. And one that, uh, that we touched on a bit on episode nine is that people can be classified. There are categories of people out there, okay? Verse 14 speaks of the natural man. This is the unsaved man, the one that does not have the spirit of God and therefore can know a lot or a little, can speak Greek or Hebrew or both, but who is a blind man leading the blind. He or she believes all sorts of things, even about the Bible perhaps, but he remains unchanged, unfazed, untouched. He or she fills his mind with theories and conjectures, all in a vain attempt to dismiss the idea of God, to dismiss the possibility of the supernatural, the spiritual world. This person is dead spiritually, not dying like our LDS friends teach, but dead. He or she can never know the deep things of God, but can definitely know the deep things of Satan. Ouch. That's according to Revelations 2.24. Did I say Revelations? Boy, Dr. Fruchtenbaum would not be happy with that. Let me restate that. That's according to Revelation 2.24. By the way, I was once this man. You were once this man if you're a saved person. This should not drive us to look down on anyone, but to be filled with love for the lost. That is the heart of God. He sent his own son to die for me while I was this man. 
You know, I remember that song, that lyric that says, I hear my mocking voice calling among the scoffers. Yep, that was me. That was you. But no more, right? The second classification is the spiritual person. Yay! The mature adult person, spiritually speaking. According to verse 15, he or she is able to discern all things. He's able to investigate, judge, discern. Wait, you say, there are lots of people that can do that, right? Those smart people that we're talking above. Anyone can do that. Yes, but if in the end of the investigation, they come to the wrong conclusion, in other words, they don't break the code, then they don't know anything. The Bible is in code in a way. In other words, they can break the code down to its base elements and spend years discovering all sorts of cool details. But if in the end, they miss the main point, the deep thing of God, then die in their sins, then it was all for naught, sadly. And we can do that. We can discern all things because of verse 16 says we have the mind of Christ. Now let's focus on that for a little bit. We have God the Father and the Spirit. So far so good. If you're a Jewish person listening to this, you may agree that God has a spirit. The Tanakh, or what we uh, Christians call the Old Testament, is replete with evidence of that. So without getting too theological, there is there is, in a sense, more than one manifestation of God, if you will. We see that God was in the camp of Israel as a fire by night and a cloud by day, that the Spirit of God filled the temple and indwelled the prophets and kings and, and others as well. We see that in Isaiah 52, 13 through Isaiah 53, uh, there is one who comes from God and takes the sin of the whole world upon himself, dies, and then is raised back to life. This is no mere human, yet seen and understood to be a human by those who were near him. And this is the Messiah. He is God in the flesh. He's not the Father. He's not the Spirit. He is the Son. Yet he is one with the Father and Spirit. And because we have the Spirit of God in us as believers, we have the mind of the Messiah, the mind of Jesus, the mind of Christ. And we're able to judge, discern any given matter. Awesome, huh? Now, how do we do that? Through his word, his living word in our minds illuminates us and helps us to understand what is right and wrong, left and right, and makes our path straight. This is the mature and maturing adult in Christ and Messiah. The third classification are babes in Christ or babies in Christ. And the simple, uh, and these simply are people that are new believers and have not had time to grow. And babies sometimes get super excited and restless and always hungry and needy. Yeah, and that's okay. Adults take care of babies and help them grow. We don't chastise a baby for being hungry, having a dirty diaper. No, we help them. We nurture them. We clean them. We protect them. And as they become older, spiritually speaking, they will do the same to other babies. Get it? I can't help here but share with you one of my favorite psalms. You know, I have so many favorite psalms. I, I like them all. I love them all. And this is Psalm 131. It is a song of ascents of David. O Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. But I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, and I love replacing Israel there with my name. This is not replacement theology, okay? O Tim, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Oh, King David, you a poet of the Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, God, for using one such as this. Me and him, right? So nothing wrong with being a baby. Just don't stay a baby. And finally, the carnal man. This is seen in verses 3 and 4 of chapter 3. This is the person who is able to eat meat but doesn't. 
The baby can't do it. This person can, but won't. This person doesn't want the meat, but is controlled by his own flesh, his own meat, if you will. Dr. Fruchtenbaum talks about uh, Romans 7.14 here, which says that, um, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I'm of the flesh sold under sin. As an example of a carnal person, this is a person who can't get along with other believers. Another example is a person that's stuck in legalism. Go read Galatians. By the way, we're doing a study in Galatians right now at Mid-Valley, so come and join us. He walks like a man rather than a son of God. His lifestyle is the same. If you feel a certain conviction here, pray and ask the Lord to reveal to you what are, what area of your life needs some work. Although I think most mature believers already know we have the ability to discern after all, right? And we might be backsliding in that area, not yielding the work of the Spirit. Okay? So let's wrap this up today in a prayer. Avinu Shabashamayim, or Lord of heaven and earth, be the Lord of my heart. Investigate, prod, poke, lift up, and change me from the inside out. In the name of Jesus, my Messiah, my Christ. Amen. All right. We start a new passage next time, the one that mandates that all men brew coffee for their wives, right? Hebrews. <laughs> Sorry, that's so cheesy. Um, I couldn't help it. Shalom. <laughs>